listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. McCain follows. Doyle Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Tough shot. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anas. You can follow me on Twitter at Ayanas underscore five. Has covered UH athletics for the past two seasons for the Daily Cougar now, officially covering them for Apollo Media Houston. I'm joined by my second host. I'll let him introduce himself. Bayon, take it away. What's good? I'm Dayon Dunlap. Be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account as at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. We will greatly appreciate it. Be sure to follow me as at Dayon Dunlap at D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. And I'm ready to rock and roll, man. We got a lot to talk about. For sure. Let's do it. Let's get right into it today that we're recording this Wednesday, October the 13th, 2021 was the official media day for the American Athletic Conference basketball media day where both men's and women's teams across the American Athletic Conference got a chance to speak with reporters. We had a Honestly, the way they had it set up, it was pretty cool. We were talking about this off air where, you know, they had a little introduction. They got introduced by the American Athletic Conference reporters. And then you could see the actual uh, everyday reporters and they had it all streaming on ESPN+. Plus. So that was a cool setup. Uh, We'll start off with the women's basketball team, the UH women's basketball team, who, you know, a couple of weeks ago got a chance to speak with reporters and we, we talked to uh, Ron Huey talked about how, you know, the goal for this upcoming season for, for this team is, you know, unfinished business. That's their model. That's the mindset they're adapting a day on. What were your takeaways from media day before we get into it? And really what stood out from today's uh, availability with coach Ron Huey and also Julia Blackshaw Fair, who was the student athlete that spoke. I mean, what stood out to me um, from Coach Ron Hewitt and both Julia Blackshell Fair is they both really sound motivated, really sound like they're excited about this upcoming season and just really ready to complete the unfinished business from a year ago. And so that was my huge takeaway. I mean, Coach Hewitt was very honest, as always he is, very candid with the media, so I like that about him as well. And Julia Baxter Fair, just having um, uh, another year, I think she's very, very ecstatic about that. We got a clip coming up from um, the availability um, in a second ago from Julia Baxter Fair. But just my overall takeaway, they, they sound like they're very excited from the upcoming season, very focused. It sounds like they're, they're ready to pick up where they left off. For sure, especially when, when you talk about Julia Blackshell Fair after she had her season cut short a year ago, her, but it, 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 I'm sure she'd imagine it would have been her senior season ended up getting cut short due to the ACL injury. She suffered about January. So now she's going to get an opportunity to, you know, finish on the right track. Hopefully she steers, steers clear of any injuries. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of excitement around this program, especially after what they were able to do last year. Uh, 
we touch on it. Um, they finished third in the American Athletic Conference last year. That's exactly where they've been picked by the American Athletic Conference coaches to finish yeah. this season behind, of course, something Ron Huey told us whenever he joined us a couple of months ago for our uh, podcast, which if you didn't check out, be sure to, to, to go back and look at them in the archives. Uh, our, Ron Huey joined us back in August, but he mentioned it that Two you know, you, exactly. You that's those are the two programs that UH is chasing. They're still behind them in the American Athletic Conference, at least in the preseason uh, predictions from the the coaches' vote. But um, yeah, like you said, a lot of excitement. They were the first team out uh, in just missing the NCAA tournament. That honestly, they they kind of let slip away with that the final game that they lost to Cincinnati before the the start of the American Athletic Conference tournament. So a lot to build on, but. You mentioned a couple of clips that we'll have for this show. We'll start one that you asked Ron Huey. Once again, this is UH women's basketball head coach Ron Huey speaking at American Athletic Conference Media Day. Here is Ron Huey. Having a good season that you guys have, not having the ending that you want. What are you and your team able to take away from last year and bring it to this new season? And also, uh, second part question, what are you expecting from Brittany Onyejay for the next step um, in her game coming to this next season? I'm glad you asked that question because Brittany had a, a fantastic practice yesterday. And it's, again, that focus and tenacity that she plays with, we need her to carry that on and um, continue to be that person. You know, the thing that Brittany uh, lacked last year was just her ball handler getting to the basket, which she's improved some this summer and already showing that in practice now with opportunities to get to the basket. We know she can shoot the basketball. We know she can get up and defend, um, but she has to increase her mid-range shot, which she has, and have opportunities to get to the basket. Um, she's been a solid rebounder for us, but Brittany has uh, continued to grow, and we're looking forward to her having a, a great season. Um, but the thing that overall for us is having that bad taste in our mouth with not having the opportunity to make the NCAA tournament last year, we saw um, the small things that we didn't pay attention to with all the details. You know, we let some of them slip away early. We let one slip away late, and those hurt. And, and now we have an opportunity with a team that understands that those opportunities that you can't let slip by, you have to embrace each and every every opportunity as a must-win situation because again at the end of the day if you want to make the tournament you have to be able to show the committee and you know throw out all this net stuff and be able to say mano a mano we took care of the business that we need to take care of with whatever team it was in front of us to be able to ensure that we can get in the tournament so again that was uh women's basketball head coach ron huey speaking uh, to reporters and Dan, like you mentioned right there, kind of like we talked about that model, that unfinished business, he alluded to it right there. The biggest thing that they're looking forward to for this season is getting rid of that bad taste of their mouth that they have. Like you mentioned, they were so close to getting to the NCAA tournament yet so far, and you have to settle for the NIT tournament. And like we mentioned before, they, they were able to end last season with a win, even if it was in the consolation bracket, but they have some a lot of positive momentum to build for. They're returning a lot of players from last season, and honestly, the turnover. They're, 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 this isn't a, a, a young team. The new players that they're adding, a lot of them, yeah, are, have experience. Some yeah, transfers, they have experience, yeah. or just flat out were on the roster last year. So that that they're a much more veteran team that could help them going forward. So, like you mentioned, it. 
it's a it's good that that's their expectation because honestly, they have the team around it to to live up to it. What are your thoughts? They, they, they do. They return four starters, and the first person that you just heard him speak about, Brittany Onyeje, I think she's going to be a key piece. She came over from UCF um, a season before last year, and she settled in well. She got off to a really good start. She's really a really a good three point shooter. And a lot of teams focus off running her off the three-point line. And that's what Coach Huey talked about, the next evolution of her game. It's not only being able to create off the dribble, but just using her three-point ability as a threat and getting to the basket, not always settling for the three. And I also think she can be a better efficient shooter from beyond the arc. She shot 29%. I think she can shoot around 35 to 40%. Although she shoots a high volume of threes, I just think she's such a good shooter that she can shoot a better percentage. But adding to her game, um, that drive, I think it's going to make her more potent offensively. And like Coach Huey said, she can defend. When Julia Blackshaw-Ferry went down and Julia uh, mostly guarded the team's um, best player, when she went down, Brittany Onyeje stepped up to the plate and she did that and she did it really, really well. So I expect her to continue her defensive prowess, just adding to her game offensively, becoming more efficient as a shooter. And overall, you heard Coach Huey talked about it. They're chomping at the bit to get their bad taste out of their mouth. He, he's very, very um, excited about his team, like Hugh just talked about, and really just controlling what they control. He talked about letting the game slip away early, then letting the game slip away late. That game that they let slip away late was coming off of the big win against USF, South Florida, mm-hmm. who was ranked, and then you play a Cincinnati team who they lost to, in which potentially that's the game that knocked them out of the tournament. And so – just paying attention to detail, like he said, knowing every game is important to reach um, that tournament. And so I think this team is going really well. Like I said, they return four starters. And I'm, I'm excited for this group. I, I think they they really bought into Coach Chewy and the Qatar coaches that what they're preaching. And um, I've had the ability to see those Florida schools. I, if those of you don't know, I do the color commentary of all the UH women's home games. So I get to see a lot of these teams. and. Those two top teams, UCF and USF, they both returned their starting five, starting with the top team, USF. And then they have a tremendous transfer coming in from Memphis who is going to bolster their front line. And so they're going to be really well, good as well. So this entire league is going to be good. And I expect Houston to be in the upper echelon, but they got to compete with those four schools. Right. And like you mentioned, uh, Houston able to beat USF last season. They honestly, each time they played UCF, it was a lopsided performance, even in the American Athletic Conference tournament. That's really, I feel, where they have to really uh, kind of flip the switch. And, and if they want it, especially uh, with the news, eventually they'll head to the Big 12. They need to start kind of stacking that momentum, continue to build on the momentum and show that, you know, if they can compete with those Florida schools, then they'll be in great shape once they finally make that transition to the Big 12. Now, we have one more soundbite from head coach Ron Huey um, that I wanted to, to, to play for you. But one one thing that I found kind of interesting uh, on the graphic while Ron Huey was speaking, they, the, the American Athletic Conference put um, his record since he's been in Houston. He's going to be – this is going to be his eighth season as head coach for the Houston Cougars. And – his record is 59 and 95 all time since he's been at U of H. So it's been a lot of uh, a lot of down years for the program. And like we mentioned, they're finally it, it, you can finally see them starting to turn that corner. Now, 
what this program cannot afford is to take a step back. They just got to keep building up, keep building forward. And it, I, I believe it was something similar he said where, you know, being next to literally when the facility they have, they're right next to the men's basketball team. And with the culture Calvin Sampson has been able to establish it, it kind of rubs off on the women's basketball team. It certainly it sets up a good comparison, kind of a, a a lofty goal to try to catch up and chase the success that the men's team has had. What say you, Dayon? I mean, that's a good point. He talked about um, learning from Coach Sampson, a Hall of Fame coach, and having an open door. Talk about Coach Sampson sitting in at practices, watching their team and giving him good feedback. And so that can only help the women's program. And they are chasing the success that the men's have. Then just getting stuff like them being sponsored by Jordan, like the men's, which helps in recruiting. And I mean, you're definitely right on. I think this program cannot afford to take a step back. They must continue to head in the right direction and show they are evolving and buying into what Coach Hewitt just is preaching. And just to hit his defense on his record that you just mentioned, I mean, the first couple of years, it was struggled. They struggled with numbers. And then he had, he's had talent. He's developed talent. He has players that produce. But overall, I, I think just form, forming the culture that he wants to sit in and having a full team buying in, I think he finally has that in these last two years. Uh, and I, I think he's destined for greatness. I mean, he's a well um, coach who has a lot of experience. He's really good recruiting. All the recruits who come in, first thing they talk about is that family atmosphere. And so being next door to the men's, having um, – a person like Kelvin Sampson, who who he can get some advice from, is only going to bode well from this program. And I, I'm excited to see where they go from here. But like you mentioned, we do have this clip where Coach Huey was asked about bring pick third. Let's check out his response earlier from earlier today in the American Athletic Conference media availability, media day. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Chuck. Coach, uh, who are players to watch on this year's team? And what are your thoughts on being picked third in the uh, preseason poll? You know, first of all, um, being picked third, um, you know, my high school coach taught me, if you're not first, you're last. So, again, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And um, we never really look at the preseason ranking because, again, we don't want to focus one game at a time, um, one practice at a time, making sure we stay healthy and, and, you know, do all those things to be successful. So the preseason ranking is, is I think, is for – you know, the media, you guys, and, you know, some of the players and everybody else, but we as coaches, we know that the journey is long and it's a marathon. And um, I think the players to watch for us, again, is the, it's been the same starters that we had. I mean, you started talking about Julia Blackshell Fair and, and what she's done over her career and Bria Patterson, uh, Layla Blair, of course, um, and some of our newcomers. When you start talking about Fatou Diong, I mean, she's going to be an impact player for six five coming out of Purdue in the Big Ten, and again, we're looking to um, rejuvenate Tierra Young, you know, who transferred from LSU. So we have some firepower. We just got to get everybody on the same page. Um, but it all starts with our engine. We start talking about Diamond Gladney, you know, and our post presence is going to be tremendous for us this year. But again, at the end of the day. I think you can select any of our kids down the roster to be impactful players because of the system we play and the competitive drive that they play with each and every day. So again, that was UH women's basketball head coach, Ron Huey. 
And Dan, you said it right off the bat. Uh, I, I found it interesting. I said, you know, if you're not first, you're last. But again, these are preseason uh, predictions. So at the end of the, the grand scheme of things, they don't carry a lot of weight. But obviously, a lot, a lot of times they can be viewed as motivating factors. I think that's what stood out to me. He said it's, it's, yeah, it's for the media, but it's also for some of the players, too, and kind of to see what their expectations are for the season. We mentioned that, that we're going to have a, one more soundbite from Julia Blackshaw Fair. But outside of Leila Blair, who was named to the all-conference second team for the preseason, there were no other UH women's basketball players on either of those two lists, which could be a motivating factor. What, what were your takeaways from that soundbite, Dan? I, I think their depth is um... – was one of their strengths last season. And he just talked about their depth and their style of play in which really any one of their guards can be breakout players. I think Layla Blair, of course, has the talent to continue to pick up where she left off, where she left the team in scoring as a freshman. But you hear the likes of Rhea Patterson, who's a positionless player who can get the ball off the rim and take it up the court, can stretch the floor from beyond the three-point line, and as well can rebound and score inside. And so... Just their overall depth from players like um, Julia Black Chauffeur, who we have a clip coming up in, here in a second, who is really a utility player, can do just about everything on the floor, whether it be scoring inside, creating for her teammates, defending, diving on the floor from loose balls. She's one of those players that really just does whatever for the team to win. Then you talk about the transfers. Um, you got Tierra Young coming over from LSU who had – some big games against big time clubs last year, like Kentucky, Tennessee, and some of those good schools in the SEC. She played her best against some of the best competition. And so just their style of play bodes well um, for their guards, but they have good post players, both starters coming back. Um, Tatiana Hill, as well as Jasmine Lewis, he mentioned for two who's transferring over, who played in the Big Ten. And so their depth um, is going to be something that they lean on, but allowing players to play into their role and not just putting a role on a player and making adjustments is Coach Huey's strength. He did that last year, and I expect him to do the same thing um, with the team he has. Mm. I'm going to play this soundbite from UH Women's Basketball Guard, Julia Blackshell Fair. Uh, well, first, you're starting with your um, injury. How are you feeling, and how has your knee progressed with your injury? Then the second part to that question is, how do you feel you've grown as a leader? Um, Coach Huey always raves about your leadership throughout the team. Uh, with my injury, I've been doing well, actually. Um, besides me getting old, you know, the casual aches and pains of just, you know, doing weights and basketball back to back. But as far as my knee in general, I, I feel good. Um, I'm still getting my flow back, my step back uh, and everything. But as each day goes on, I'm regaining that you know, that old juju and what I used to do. And um, I'm sorry, what was that second question? Uh, how do you feel you've grown as a leader or what ways must you lead this team differently with the um, new teams, with new teammates that you have? Um, I'd say I'm big on leading. I'm big on leading by example. Uh, but since my freshman year, what the coach has been trying to get out of me is just being more vocal Um I find that a little hard for me to be able to do sometimes, but I can say that I feel like I've, I'm still growing and becoming better at being a vocal coach to some of the new girls, especially because uh, I know me, I overthink a lot and I see that in some of the new girls that come. So sometimes it just takes a calming voice and somebody to be able to talk you through it. 
So, yeah, and that's what my teammates have done to me and still do for me. So, yeah, just being more of a vocal leader than I am a, uh, than I am a leader that just shows everybody what to do by my actions. Once again, that was Julia Blackshell Fair. Dan, I wanted to start with right there. She touched on at the very beginning the ACL injury. It certainly seems like she's put it behind her. She's mentioned that the most part she feels great. And, you know, outside, <laughs> I found it funny that she said, you know, she finds the, the aches and, you know, the pains of just the weight lifting and training and, and just the stuff that comes with playing basketball. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what you want to hear. That's certainly encouraging as you head into a new season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And last year, speaking to Coach um, Huey before a game, early in the season, he categorized Juju as um, the rock for their team. And when she went down, just the emotional effect by her teammates from what I saw on the floor, it was a home game in which I was on the broadcast, it just showed. And so to have her back not only bodes well from them on the court, but it bodes well from them off the court. She came back on the same game that she tore ACL she didn't want to stay in the locker room. She wanted to come out and sit on the sideline to cheer her team on, which just shows her character. And you heard about how she said she normally leads by example. Now she wants is trying to be more of a vocal leader, especially helping some of the her new teammates um, learn the culture around here. And you heard Coach Sampson talk about how the culture um, not only starts with him, but the players take on um, their responsibility of passing down to new players. And I think Julia's doing the same thing with the women's program. Yeah, one thing you touched on earlier, you mentioned how how really deep this team is. Uh, looking down the roster, they have 16 players ahead of the, the opening of the season. Only five of those 16 players are either sophomores or freshmen. I go back to what we mentioned earlier, just how veteran-ridden this team is. And, and going back to what Black Show Fair said in terms of she's, you know, that's something that she's trying to work on. And, but she, the way she needs is more of by example, but trying to be more vocal. It certainly helps when you have a team that has a, a certainly experience, even if it's not necessarily with UH, but just overall playing college basketball, that certainly helps. I mean, they only have one freshman on the team, so they're going to be a team that, for the most part, they, they know what needs to be done. Yep, they know what needs to be done. Now it's, not, it's about executing. It's about going out there to do it. And that's going to complete our first segment as the women wrap up our first segment on the women's program. And they had a good season last year, most wins since they've joined the American Conference. Now it's about building on that, taking it to another level as they get ready to move into the Big 12. But when we come back, we're going to move to the men's side and hear from Coach Sampson as he talked about his expectations here in the upcoming season. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And we're back here on Pod Slamajama covering your UH athletics. Once again, be sure to follow the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. Be sure to leave, some, leave us some stars if you're listening on iTunes and subscribe if you're on Spotify. And also follow our Twitter account at Pod Slamajama as you see it in the podcast description below. Um, like Dayon said before we went into the break, we'll be talking more on the men's basketball team now who... Uh, similarly to the women's team, got to speak with reporters, 
today during the American Athletic Conference media day actually got cut short due to technical difficulties where I believe the, the conference that it was on Houston, we're, we're, won't get too much into detail on that, but it was cut short a little bit. But Calvin Sampson did get asked a, a, about the new trio of guards, specifically Kyler Edwards, like we mentioned. Obviously, the big star they've lost, Dejan Jerome and Quentin Grimes to the NBA. So as they do every year, they've had to fill those positions with new talent. So here, we'll just jump right into it. Here was Kelvin Sampson after being asked about that new guard depth for this upcoming season. Um, Kyler is uh, a good shooter. Um, I think... Uh, I think the way I would describe his game as it fits for us is that uh, he doesn't really have a lot of glaring weaknesses. I'm not sure if he has. Uh, uh, I think his, he's a he's a plus shooter for sure. Uh, but I don't know if there's anything else in his game that you would say is outstanding. Uh, and I think that's a compliment and that he's a really solid player. He's pretty good at a lot of things, maybe great at hardly any of them, but he's pretty solid just about everything. You know, he's uh he can guard, uh, doesn't try to do too much, uh, good decision maker. Um, um, you know, he's he's not rebounding the ball like we want him to, but, um, you know, we've, we've got, you know, we've got some time to get him there, something we work on every day. But uh, Tajay is, is uh, a dynamic athlete. Uh, but, you know, you got to decide whether you want to win dunk contests, play for a Harlem Globetrotters, or go get a rebound. I mean, you can't, you know, they, they don't all mix. You know, he's, I want him to use his athleticism uh, to help impact winning. Uh, you know, you know, not stay after practice and do dunk contests and pe people have no clue what basketball is. I think that matters. You know, what matters to me is go block a shot, chase down somebody and pin a ball on the backboard. Go Go get above everybody else and go get a rebound. Be the first one to the floor after a loose ball. Um, use your athleticism in, in ways that impact winning. Those are the things that we're working on him uh, him on. But I, I think, you know, we're going to depend on both those guys um, um, to help us uh, be a good team eventually. Once again, now UH men's basketball head coach, Kelvin Sampson. Uh, Dayon, great takeaways, like you mentioned. Uh, Kelvin always have, finds a way to make the uh, interesting comparisons. He said, you got to figure out what you want to play. Do you want to play for the Gar for the Harlem Globetrotters or if you want to use your athleticism for rebounding, which just right there, just immediately right off the bat, you see Kelvin Sampson emphasizing the kind of pillars of the program that they've has been a big reason why they've been successful the last few seasons. When you look at the, the previous guards that they've had, it, it always seems like just that the guards are the ones that lead this team in rebounding. If you go back to last season, a, a little bit different with Justin Gorham, who went on a tear uh, for most of the season. But number two was Quentin Grimes. The year before that, Nate Hinton led the team in rebounding. In previous years, it's been players like Aiden Robinson. And uh, so it always seems like there's a guard that leads in rebounding. And he's talked about that philosophy in the past, where you know, Houston wants a guard to rebounding. Uh, to rebound the ball just so they can quickly uh, start their offense. Just go. Don't waste time trying to find a, get a, from a big man to a guard and then slowing down. They like to run up and down and do it as fast as possible. Dan, what were your takeaways from that clip? 
And my takeaway, just like yours, just classic Kelvin Sampson, finding ways and to motivate his players. And um, he, like that, that quote about Tajay, his ultra athleticism, and we saw a few of his dunks go viral on Twitter, but using athleticism towards winning plays. And then he talked about Kyler. I, one thing that stood out to me about Kyler is what he said, Kyler just fits what they do well. That you can't just put one your finger on a few things that he does great, but he's a really good shooter. He defends hard, and you just mentioned the rebounding, which how um, Houston's guards have led them in rebounding outside of last year with Justin Gorman, like you just said. And so, I'm very I, I like what I heard from Coach Sampson. Um, although the technical difficulties did cut it short, I was able to get my question in to him, in which. I asked him about the point guard play because under Cole Sampson, from what I've heard and from what I've seen, he coaches uh, the point guards hard and puts a lot of responsibility on them like you would do a quarterback. And you look at the success that they had in previous seasons, Galen Robinson was in the, um, at point guard during that long run. And you had Dejon Giroux, who was an outstanding point guard last season. And, this year is going to be Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shea both sharing um, those point guard duties, starting with Sasser. And I asked him about that, and I quote Coach Sampson. He said, Marcus and Jamal are two different kind of point guards. They're both are good defensive players. For Jamal, it's about consistency. Marcus isn't going to play the position like Dejan. We want to adjust the way we do things to Marcus. And I'll paraphrase his quote. There was more things that he said during that before um, we lost lost him. And so I think point guard play is going to be brutal. But I, I trust Coach Sampson and their entire coaching staff. He's like the mad scientist. He's like, to me, he's like a celebrity chef. He just, just knows the recipe for whatever position that you play to get not only the best for the team, but not only to put you in the best position for you to go to the next level. And so I've seen it from players like Justin Gorham, um, Devin Davis, Rob Gray, the list goes on. Whatever position you play, Coach Sampson can get you to buy in to not only his culture, what he wants, and that's going to help propel you going to the next level. And it's a proven fact that he's done it time after time again. And I think he's going to continue to do that this season. Yeah, and that's something similar that Kelvin Sampson told me whenever they had uh, open availability about a couple of weeks ago regarding the Marcus Sasser point guard play where, you know, he doesn't necessarily force players into a certain specific role. Like, he he's a lot more um, adaptable. You know, you say good coaches, coach system, great coaches coach to the players and to what their strengths are. And that's something that he said with Marcus Sasser. And I, I believe whenever Sasser got to talk to reporters a couple of weeks back, he said, you know, the way he envisions his style of play is, you know, obviously being able to distribute the ball, but a lot more like a Damian Lillard type, he said, Trey Young type where, yeah, they can distribute the ball, but also that's not going to take away from their aggressiveness um, when it comes to scoring the ball and, and kind of, being able to find that balance when it's the time to take a shot, but at the same time when it's also being able to set up your teammates. So that's going to be interesting to see, uh, just to see how Marcus Sasser has grown from a season ago in that aspect, but also how he grows throughout the season, because something Kelvin Sampson says, he said it every season that I, I covered for, I covered him for the Daily Cougar, how, you know, the, the team in November is not going to be the same in December. The team in December will be, better than it was in November. The team in January will be better than it was in December and so on. 
Um, so they see that part. There's a big emphasis on progressing as the season goes along and improving within the season. So it'll be interesting to see Marcus Sasser grow in that role as a point guard as the season advances. But also, like you mentioned, Jamal Shedd, a different type of player, a lot more. We saw it a little bit during the, the last season whenever he got to play a lot of minutes against Our Lady of the Lake where he got to show how, how big of a distributor yep. he could be. Had so a near triple-double. Exactly. So they have... Uh, Similar to what we mentioned with the women's basketball team, honestly, this men's basketball team is a lot uh, deeper than the, the. You could make the argument they're a lot more deeper than they were a season ago when they made it to the final four. They have a lot more talent, especially at the guard position and from top to bottom, overall stretched out throughout. So yeah. it'll be fascinating to see how Houston, how Kelvin Sanford figures out that lineup. Yeah, real quick point I want to make is he's something he said, I think it's maybe a week or two ago and um, availability. He talked about the importance of development. Um, their bench players who players who mm-hmm. don't get a lot of playing time, like, for example, Tremont Mark last year and helping with his development. Now he's looked upon as going to step up and play a much bigger role. So other players like that to keep my eye on is Ramon Walker, who's another incoming freshman. I think he's going to be. Um, a tremendous spark off that bench can give some scoring. And then I think this front line is probably one of the best that they've had under Coach Sampson at Houston, starting with Charlton, who came over from UConn. Then you add Fabian, and then you still have Reggie Chaining. And so I think that front line is going to bode them well. I think that's going to be the strength. Well, I would say bring the toughness of the team. I think last year with their guard, well, Justin Gordon brought a lot of toughness with his rebounding, but also I would say Dejan will help bring a lot of that toughness um, as well. But I think the front court is going to bring um, a lot to the table this year, and they're going to be well balanced. But I, I love – I went back and watched that Baylor game, and Marcus Sasson put on a put on a show pretty much mm-hmm. one of the best defenders in the world with who ended up being a, a top draft pick to Sacramento, the point guard, Davion Mitchell. Mitchell was guarding Sasser, and Sasser really was lighting him up in, in that first half. And he had a tremendous game, and they called Davion Mitchell off game. It's his nickname, but Sasser had a good game against one of the best defenders. And so I think Marcus Sasser not only can be like a Trey Young or Damian Little, Fred Van Fleet, I think he can be – a point guard that Houston needs is another thing that you say. Well, good coaches adapt to their players. And I know coach Sampson is, is a strict coach, but he allows his guards and players to get busy. He puts them in a pres- position for them to show their strengths. And I think he's going to do that with Marcus um, Sasser this year. Yeah. And going off to the preseason uh, predictions for, from the conference, Houston was predicted to be, to finish number one in the Windy American Athletic Conference, again, is voted on by the coaches. So of the 11 American Athletic Conference coaches, eight voted Houston to finish first place, three voted uh, for Memphis. So Houston finishes number one, Memphis two, SMU three, which I found interesting, uh, not to, to get too sidetracked, but SMU at three. Do you agree with that? Or do you feel like Wichita State should be that, that team at three or maybe someone else? Yeah, that, that was interesting to me because um, Wichita State was actually one of, won the league with Houston. It was a tie last year. And so I was surprised with them being um, fourth on that list and then having ETN, the preseason um, pick for player of the year, returning. And so I'm surprised. But Kendrick Davis, I, I'm not mad at it. I think he's probably one of the best point guards 
in the nation. And I like the talent that they have down there in Dallas. And so, I mean, it's preseason polls. Wichita State did lose a lot. But with, with having ETN and just this the Wichita State program as well, and then their coach being in his second season now being inserted as a um, full head coach fully, I think they're going to be better than fourth. But for Memphis, I like where Memphis was picked, and I like where SMU was picked out. So it was kind of a surprise there, but not as a surprising um, on my end. How about you? Yeah, um, similar. I, I think with, with SMU, they're always kind of uh, – there's always high expectations with SMU, and in the past few years they just haven't been able to, to carry it throughout the whole season. Obviously, last season there was a, a big different circumstance just with how they were affected with COVID. And so it'll be interesting to see how they can bounce back. But I think that that is attributed to a lot of coaches have a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for Kendrick Davis, who would transition over to the all-conference teams Marcus Sasser was named to the preseason all-conference team. Uh, he was along with Jalen Duran from Memphis, Landers, Landers Nolly from Memphis, Kendrick Davis, like we mentioned, also Tyson Etienne. That rounds up the top five of the first team all-conference. Second team all-conference, no Houston players, but they also had Brandon Mahan from UCF, Imani Bates from Memphis, DeAndre Williams from Memphis, Jeremiah Davenport from Cincinnati, and also Jalen Forbes from Tulane. Like going off that list, are you surprised that only Marcus Sasser was named to either of those teams from Houston? I could totally – do you see someone else that could be there um, or would say you? That definitely surprised me with only having one Houston player being named in the preseason um, All-American teams. I, I definitely – think that Fabian White can be an all-conference player. I believe Jamal Mark can and will be an all-conference player. Now, with first and second team, I, I can't make that prediction. But I think Fabian, as well as Jamal Mark, can both be all-conference players. Um, so I, I was surprised about that. Um, I think Ramon Walker can be the newcomer of the year. Um, I think he can have – a that big of an impact, but those teams did surprise me. Were you expecting to see any other Houston players on the, um, one of those preseason rankings teams? Yeah, for sure. I think you mentioned that the, the top two certainly right off the bat that you think of would be Fabian White from on Mark, especially considering the, the flash that Mark showed. It it wasn't flashes, but especially towards the end of the season where he, he was able to put together a good string from the final game of the regular season through the, the conference tournament and even early on in the NCAA tournament, he showed how just valuable he can be for this team and he expect, expect him to have a different jump. But also with Fabian White after, you know, coming back short, uh, short term off the, to recover from that injury that he had, that knee injury that he had. Now he has a full year, had a full off season of getting back to normal. So certainly expect bigger production from him. It, it, it was it was fascinating when you – most coaches have Houston as the number one team in the American Athletic Conference, but only one player on the all-conference team. It doesn't – you would think that wouldn't be the case, but it, it's interesting. But uh, last year, I believe they had four players in Quentin Grimes, Dejan, Giroux, Justin Gorham, and Marcus Sasser on those teams. Um, I'm not entirely too sure. There might be a give or take one, but I, I believe those four were – on one of the, either of the teams. So it'll be interesting. Preseason player of the year for the American Athletic Conference was Tyson Etienne for Wichita State, who actually won it last year. In addition, uh, it was co-player of the year with Quentin Grimes. So 
honestly not not a surprise there. And also preseason rookie of the year goes to Memphis Jalen Duran over Imani Bates. Which what are your thoughts on that now? Yeah, I'm not surprised about that. I think um Duran also got was picked for a preseason team. He's a center. And so I think with his length and his size, he will be able to have a huge impact on the game. And that's the question around how they um Memphis will use um, Imani Bates. Will he be at that point guard position? That's what I'm hearing that he will play kind of a la Penny Hardaway because he has that same size and length as Penny. And so this question is out from those two. I think one of those two will play a lot of minutes. It can win newcomer um, of the year in the conference. But like I said, I think Ramon Walker can have that impact. And if Houston has a really good season, I think that'll be viewed upon. But with the minutes that those two will play, um, I like that prediction, especially especially at the big guy from Houston, Duran. And that's going to do it for this segment. Coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma, we continue, we continue discussing UH athletics. We'll transition over to the football team, who obviously are in the midst of their bye week after wrapping up a 5-1 and one start after dropping the first game of the season. They have won five in a row and are in good possession – or in good position, rather – to set up a good matchup come October 30th, not to overlook their first opponent. But we'll take a look at the bi-week MVPs, the first half of the season for this program on the offense and defensive sides. Coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on, Pod Slamma Jamma, Dayon Dunlap and Andy Yanez. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Now we're going to the football field. And Annie just mentioned, we're going to give some um, bi-week awards, um, starting with the offense and the defense. Well, we'll start with the on the offensive side, and I'll go first. I think up until this point, my offensive MVP is none other than Tank himself, Nathaniel Dale, a.k.a. Bink Tank, which is called by the team. They call him Big Tank, but I think he's my offensive MVP to start this game. He has, on the early season, 477 yards, averaging 13.5 yards per catch, three touchdowns, averaging 80 yards per game. And he's pretty much been our number one wide receiver before last week. He's pretty much been our go-to receiver, in which he still is our go-to receiver. I should say he's been our only consistent threat through the air. and. It's been a, a, a good balance attack, but now we have a good running game without Tim McCaskill. And so I, I think without Tank, I'm not sure how good this Houston team will really be because he opened up the playbook for Alton and Coach Dana Hogson was his ability to get open. And he has had an impact on every game. Who you want to go? What's your pick offensively? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the player you mentioned right, right off the bat with Alton McCaskill. Um, honestly, just how he's kind of popped up, I don't know, from the beginning of the season, didn't really hear too much from him in that game against Texas Tech. And then right off the bat against Rice, had a, a big game. He had 91 scrimmage yards in that game and scored three touchdowns. 
um, and kind of showed his versatility and something that Dana Horvison mentioned after that game where he could do a little bit of everything. Yes, he's a, he's a threat in the backfield. He's kind of grown uh, as the season has progressed. He's kind of grown into that halfback where they, if they're on short yardage at the goal line or anything, they're going to go to him and they trust him to be able to pick up that yardage. I mean, they got to see that even just the last game against Tulane, whenever they had a, a third and short and a fourth and short, and ultimately they didn't pick it up, but they showed the confidence of just being able to run the ball. They've kind of gotten a lot more comfortable at that position, but then looking at the numbers that he's had uh, taking against Grambling, he put up 114 yards on the ground. That's once again, scored multiple times, scored two touchdowns in that game. And then against Navy, once again, he showed his versatility, picking up over 90 scrimmage yards total. And then against Tulsa, once again, a multi-touchdown game in that, in that outing. So certainly it showed his versatility and it's been a big asset, especially like we mentioned earlier with uh, the problems that this team has had at quarterback with Clayton Toon, who had a, had a rough start to the season against Texas Tech and then suffered that injury against Rice. So, I mean, he even mentioned it after the game against Tulane where that injury still hadn't it, it been limited his mobility and he's had to uh, become much more of a pocket passer, which put on a strong performance against Tulane, but it has been a bit of a, a, a work in progress as the games have progressed. So he's certainly been a big asset. Every time you have a consistent running back in the backfield, it's a, a big help to quite in tune in the, in the backfield. And even I could who's gotten a lot of runs during the first half of the season. You're right. Spot on right there. And I think you could arguably go with either player um, Alton or tank. I think they both complement each other. Well, and they both, um, bold off of the success that they're both having. And um, Alton, man, he reminds me of Najee Harris, the running back who mm-hmm. started Alabama a season ago, a, a taller running back with good size, a dual threat can run and catching. And this has a knack from getting in the end zone. That's one thing about how I realized about McCaskill. He really has a knack for getting in the end zone and that um, goal to go area inside the 20 yard line. And so, I think if he can continue to develop, he will go on to break some records at Houston, especially with the rate he's on scoring touchdowns. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting you mentioned Alabama that honestly, the way that Houston ended up getting McCaskill, COVID ended up working in their favor, where the only school that McCaskill got to visit in person before the pandemic kind of took away any opportunities for all these schools to be able to meet players and have in person visits was McCaskill, who he was able to visit, Houston, and then everyone else, COVID shut it down. So that ended up working in Houston's favor. And one of those schools that he was drawing interest from was Alabama. So it's interesting you bring up that, you you bring up Harris um, in that comparison. Yep, yep, for sure. And I think Alton is the key for Houston, although I say tank is my MVP. I think um, McCaskill is the key for Houston going forward the remainder of this season, especially if they want to continue and potential, continue to win and potentially meet SMU if they can take Kurt Pearson against East Carolina, then win out and potentially meet Cincinnati in a conference championship game. I think they're going to need for him to continue to run the ball with the way he has and be that threat and potentially force teams to put an extra guy in the box will open things up excuse me, for Clayton in the passing game. And also it won't allow defenses to just sit back and, and play coverage and double tank or, or 
make gambles that they would when you have a running back as potent as as McCaskill in the backfield. Well, going to the defensive side, my defensive MVP comes. Um, he lives on Sac Ave. I don't know if you guys have heard about this street. It's a popular street here in H Town. And um, he's made his mark on Sac Avenue. He actually leads the team in sacks. There's none other than Logan Hall, man. Four sacks. He's been dominant, has seven tackles for loss. He's pretty much um, lived up to the hype that he had in the preseason. And that entire D-line, really, you can pick um, any player and say, well, you can pick that entire group and say that that entire group is the MVP up until this point. But if I had to pick one, I would go with Logan Hall. He's my MVP, defensive MVP up to this point. What do you say? Yeah, um, not a bad pick, uh, especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball. Like you mentioned, honestly, it could have been anyone on along that line, especially, I mean, just looking back at their last game where whenever Tulane was able to build that uh, jump ahead in the game and a it looked like Houston was going to have a game where just got the offense was struggling to get stuff going. It certainly looked like the fatigue was catching up to them after playing three games in that short window span. And then the defensive line honestly just took over the game. They really shut down Tulane's offense. They couldn't get anything going after you know midpoint of the third quarter. So I agree with you. That's certainly not a bad pick. Now, for my pick on the MVP, I'm kind of cheating a little bit. I'm going to go with Marcus Jones, who – is designated as a cornerback, but really he's done a little bit of everything for Houston. Like we've we've seen him, I mean, man, we've seen him lining up out of the backfield. We've seen him lining up as receiver, and of course, as we mentioned, he's been his go-to. He's been touted as being one of the top corners before the season started, and then of course, the thing he's known for the most is how dangerous he is on the special teams, especially regarding punt returns, and that, that's really what made me pick him as the MVP for honestly anything for everything from defense special teams in particular but I mean you look at his stats especially you think about those two weeks after in September when he had back-to-back punt return touchdowns uh, against grounding state it was kind of just a passing on the cake in that game but against Navy he had another one that was honestly huge it kept Houston in the game in that first half where they couldn't get any type of offense going and that punt return kept them in the game at halftime and then in the second half Houston's offense was able to produce if it hadn't been for that Marcus Jones touchdown it could have very easily been a different game and just right there that's big whenever it translates to that big of an effort that big of a change even when he doesn't score touchdowns he's had a couple where he was really close to scoring again and just being able to put the offense in good field position has been a big boost for this offense like we mentioned they've had their struggles throughout the season whether it be due to injury or having stuff different circumstances going on so he has been a big part of this UH team in general because he doesn't just fit into one category. He does a little bit of everything. He does do a little bit of everything. And, I mean, he's arguably the X factor on the team because you never know where his contribution is going to come from. We know he's one of the best, if not the best, punt returner um, in the nation. But you mentioned his effect offensively and defensively. 
And going forward with some of the high-power offenses that they're going to face, I think he's going to continue to make his mark on the defensive end and his coverage ability. He's shown the ability to tackle. He made, I remember, that hustle play chasing down um, the wide receiver against Texas taking the very first play in which he chased yeah. him down, had the angle, pushed him out of bounds into the two or three-yard line, then they end up getting a fumble. And so he's definitely a leader and a playmaker. And the X factor for this team and can make his mark at any time offensively, defensively. I think Marcus Jones will be playing on Sundays. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I that. The way he sparks the offense, how much he can change the game on the, uh, something Dana Horvison said after one of the games where he, that's something that he had never seen before. Just whenever he gets the ball in open space and something that the team has kind of started to figure out, they just have to block for him because Marcus Jones can do stuff that aren't normal. I think that was, I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact words, but something to that extent is what Dana Hogerson said. So when he's impressed that coach who's been around, I, I think that was a quote, he's been, been around a lot of teams. He's seen, seen a lot of football, and what Marcus Jones is doing is something that it is unique and Hogerson had not seen before. So that's, that's high praise coming out of him. High praise, and it's definitely warranted praise because Marcus Jones d- deserves it all. And just um, his willingness to give up himself for the good of the group. He was pretty much on all preseason um, rankings or polls as far as cornerback, but there's been games where he didn't even play a snap on defense, and yet you hear about how he just willingness to do whatever it takes for his team to win. And so I can talk on and on about Marcus Jones. Like I just said, I think he'd play on Sundays. So I think, I mean, it's a good pick for you. And I mean, I know we just wanted to give our preseason picks, but I also got to give credit to the coaching staff. I think my coach, um, uh, of the year up until this point on coaching staff is Doug Belt. What he's done yeah. with his defense, turning it around completely. I think they're one of the best defenses in the country. I don't know what the numbers say, but defensive line, without a doubt, Sack Avenue is one of the best, without a doubt. And I think as a whole, their ability to t- turn teams over, tackle, and just what he's done and having that football team to believe that they can be that and then coming out and playing with that relentless energy that he talks about all the time. He would be my um, coach um, of the year on the staff as far as um, coaching, if I had to pick one. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that's been made clear, especially after the last few uh, weeks where he's starting to get national recognition. I know for the past two games that he's received spotlight from the national broadcast on ESPN. Um, certainly, I think Dana Horvath himself said it. I mean, Doug Belk is – it was either make him the defensive coordinator have someone else do it because of just how highly people across the country value him. And to be honest, he's going to be down the line. He's going to be a head coach for some program, some school eventually. I think it's well-deserved, man. But I can see him staying with this Houston program, especially going forth in the Big Ten, because he seems like one of those loyal dudes and he wants to have his name edged as one of the coaches who helped turn around um, not only the defense, but this entire Houston team and getting them back to the prominent stage and where they want to be on and where they should be on. So kudos to him and Coach Hokerson for sure for for seeing his ability to coach the entire defense and promoting him as well. For sure. And 
really that's going to do it for today's episode so if you haven't done so already please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and before i I toss it over to you i just wanted to thank everyone that tuned in to our uh, twitter space following the houston two lane game uh about a week ago last thursday for the game it was a cool experience like we said it's going to be something that we're going to be looking to figure out how to record so just we can include it in future parts of Jam episodes so you can just go back and have that instant uh, kind of analysis breakdown where we had instant reaction from Dana Hoverson and a couple of the players right off the bat. I mean, it was a cool experience. And Dan, you can, you can touch on it from your perspective, but it, it was a, it was a interesting pers- experience and just being able to get that instant reaction was pretty cool. It was cool. I definitely enjoyed it, and I, I look forward to doing it as well. It was good to just to to get, talk to people and get their foresight after watching the game. And so everyone who um, joined us on the Twitter space, we're going to be doing it more often after games, especially in the upcoming season with the basketball games as well. So be sure on the lookout for those. Uh, it, it was fun. It was our, our first time. I definitely like it. It gives us – instant um reaction instant ways to connect with our fans and people to who listen who listen to us so thank you all um for joining and be sure to um to join our twitter space whenever you you see us we'll let alarm you before we go and have another twitter space ahead of time but also be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. That's D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. As always, go Cougs.